podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's a mid-season break and Lakeside Drive still exists without he who shall not be named, but with IndyCar content. It's the halfway point of the Formula One season. Max Verstappen has won the championship 472 times so far and Red Bull dominance is sure to be had for at least uh, the next couple of years until 2026. Now, we are here to discuss who is in the bin and who's not in the bin because that's the kind of conversation that we have here on Lakeside Drive, the Australian opinion on Formula One. I'm joined by my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? Hello, listener. Good. Uh, welcome back, viewer. Um, we've got uh, a, view, a video for this podcast for the first time in a long time. Um, my sincerest apologies if that hasn't happened for a while. We're back in the camp household on the camp couch. Yeah. And um, I have realised that there's now quite a lot of gear between you and I where we're sitting. So <laughs> hard to see, but it looks better framed-wise for the camera. Um, if you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please go and do that. More video content, of course, will be on the way. Um, some very exciting things happening for the podcast, for us personally, yep. um, some things that uh, I'll hopefully be able to share in a couple of months, weeks, time. It is around the Australian Grand Prix. It's very exciting. Great result. Uh, fantastic result. But uh, And also, uh, I don't know if I should shout out another podcast, but why not? I'm editing it and they're paying me to do so if you want to listen to <laughs> any of the race this week. Um, your boy is editing that too. So things are, things are going well in that space. Well done, Jim. Well done. And I couldn't. We can't not talk about it. We're car people. We love cars. I've mm. got some work done to my uh, front-wheel drive <laughs> Hilux, actually. <laughs> and, listener, I can assure you it's it's at least six inches higher than what it was this time last <laughs> week. So completely legal and compliant as well if an officer of the law pulls me over. I was, you know. Asking for an autograph, But of I can assure you that my car is looking very good and it's been absolutely enjoyable. Um, to, I won't. Uh, I won't quote you specifically <laughs> when we caught up for dinner last week, but you did tell me that it had some plastic surgery done. It did. So I call the uh, – oh, Here we go. Got some new tyres and rims, so I call that the boob job. Mm-hmm. So it's had a boob job. and got mm-hmm. some high heels as well, so I got a three-and-a-half-inch <laughs> lift, which is just exciting. So I didn't go 35s. I just put 33s on it, but I assure you it looks great. So It, do, it looks specifically great because of that F3 wing that um, – <laughs> We managed to steal from the Grand Prix. And I can tell you it's done wonders for the fuel economy. So <laughs> I've gone from about 7.9 litres per 100 to about 11. But you know what? That's okay because I look good when I drive now. <laughs> so that's all I care about. <laughs> 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 it's Campy. Listen, if I ever get an opportunity to film Campy driving whilst he's driving, um, looking good is probably not the thing that comes to my mind, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. Hey, uh, a massive thank you to Freya who has been helping us out, uh, all of us, in the mid-season break of Formula One to go and explore some other motorsport. She went to Nashville to IndyCar and spoke with some fantastic people. Um, Please go back and listen to that. Uh, I know that IndyCar is not everyone's cup of tea, but in terms of how to watch the sport, how the sport works, some interviews with some local hero drivers in Willpower uh, and Scotty McLaughlin, it's just really, really great content. So go do yourself a favour. Go back and listen to that podcast. Yeah. But Campy, 
We are here to talk about the mid-season break. We are. Max Verstappen is absolutely on a run, and that's great for him. Uh, you've said plenty of times, especially recently, that you're not bored of Max Verstappen domination. Uh, not yet. And I think it's more going to be now how dominant can Red Bull be compared to other dominant periods of Formula 1 history, thinking about Ferrari, thinking about Mercedes, and just how big of a gap is there going to be between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez at the end of the year before Daniel Ricciardo slots himself back into it? Oh, I think it's inevitable that Danny Rick takes that seat back. I mean, Horner came back, came out this week and already said he's already met all the expectations and done everything that we've wanted Daniel to achieve and more. So... I think the narrative is changing behind closed doors. I think they have a clear perspective of what they want to do going forward and they want Daniel back because A, Max wants him there and they think that Daniel will push Max in a way that will keep him invigorated to come and do what he does every weekend too. So I think Danny Rick will perform, particularly on past performances. He'll be fine. It's exciting to have him back, so that's good. Albeit two races, it doesn't really feel like he ever left. No, you're absolutely right. And I think what is really interesting is similar period to last year, of course, we had Seb Vettel leaving uh, the sport altogether, Alonso jumping from Alpine to Aston Martin, um, Alpine announcing Oscar Piastri, Oscar Piastri unannouncing himself Disaster. and DR leaving, which was really hard to to cope with. I think we then sort of, or well, the Formula One world spent the next little while trying to figure out where Daniel Ricciardo was going to go. It seems to be going pretty well f- so far for him. Um, what I will do, or what we'll do rather at some point in this episode is put everyone in or out of the bin um, because I, I needed to be original. <laughs> I didn't want to do a report card like the race had done, winners and losers. I did the WTF1 podcast. I stole your Ferrari point. Um, to which the boys thought that was very, that was controversial. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> Don't listen to us then. Jeez. <laughs> I did say that. I was like, oh, if you listen to our podcast, it's not me saying it and, and the opinions are way out there. Um, but I think what's what's interesting is there are there are things happening. Okay, let's cover off on the, on a couple of things that are happening in the world of Formula One before we put teams in or out of the bin. Yeah. Um, there, there are some rumours around silly season things occurring. Okay, let's start with probably the thing that will, lint, will sort of be the, the key to all of these things occurring. The first is Carlos signs and his apparent signing a deal, a uh, pre-deal with Audi. Okay, yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense for for a number of reasons. Firstly, he's not Ferrari's preferred driver anymore. Secondly, nope. he's not winning a world championship with Ferrari anytime soon. Nope. Thirdly, Audi is who his dad races for in Dakar. And fourthly, it'll allow him, I think, to potentially get himself into a space that is maybe not so favoured towards one driver. Now, of course, that depends on who is in the other seat of the Audi team. I think Valtteri Bottas should absolutely be there and there'll be an interesting dynamic between those two drivers. Um, But if that was to occur, one of the things that I think is is really interesting at the moment, Campy, is we've also heard then a pre-deal with Norris going to Ferrari. I've also heard Albon to Ferrari, uh, Charles Leclerc to have signed a pretty significant deal to stay with Ferrari. Mm. Lewis Hamilton hasn't yet signed a contract. He will. Hugo Boss is apparently coming in to take over Alpha Tauri as the brand for that. Oh, yeah. And yep. Alpha Tauri as a car will be the Red Bull from this year, next year, which is unusual why they haven't already done that like they've done in previous times. But there is some things to sort of flesh out there, I think, one of which being this big Ferrari thing. 
Ferrari is interesting. It's interesting for me that they re-signed um, Leclerc, which well, he's signed a contract extension. Is that right for another two years? So make sure you're talking to the microphone. But yes, uh, yes. Yeah, sorry. So I look that's thrown me a bit because I didn't think. Just looking at the history of Ferrari, I didn't think that they would do that. I thought at some stage I would start blaming, particularly Leclerc, because he's the number one driver and he, this is his fourth season with the team and getting more of an opportunity at Ferrari than four years is rare. So that says to me with particularly uh, Vasseur come in, he's, he's marked his he's, – he's put his – put all his pennies in uh, Charles Leclerc's bag and said, this guy's the guy to win us the world championship. I still don't think they will in the next four years. I think Red Bull's way too good. But uh, interesting from Ferrari. Carlos is definitely on the nose, although I think he's performed pretty well this year. I mean, Leclerc's had some shocking results and some shocking races too. So, But he's on the outer. For me, Carlos is one – I love Carlos. and He's one of my favourite drivers. But – He's always been that guy that's never quite been the number one. If you look where he started, his team's like with Verstappen and then he went across to Renault and then he was at McLaren for a couple of, for a year and then he went on to Ferrari and he's always chopped and changed. He's never really had a what I would call a secure long-term long-term deal. Unfortunately, the, the one he's had with Ferrari for the last, you know, this is in his what his third season now. It just hasn't been the number one driver, which has been a shame. I really wanted him to, but it just hasn't been, and Ferrari's made their bed now. Interesting that Ferrari's trying to get Lando. I think it's a bad move for Lando. I really do. I mean, McLaren seemingly have got their stuff together and they're they're back on the podium. If they continue that for the rest of the year, if you were Lando, why on earth would you move to Ferrari, which is... You know, they've won one championship since in the last, what, 20, since when was the last one they won with Raikkonen? So that was 07. So mm. we're not talking about great history. And with the, the way this sport is going, when it, when you design a new car and you change, you'll dominate for four or five years. I think that's what we're in at the moment, and I can't see it changing. Things will change eventually, but not a great move for Norris. But, hey, Good on him. He's got to do what he's got to do. It's interesting. Many, many drivers have said that you don't really turn down Ferrari. I think the only the only person I know of who said it recently on a podcast you're enjoying at the moment is DC. Yep. Um, because he didn't want to be a number two on paper or number yep. two. Um, of course, he just ended up being a number two, not on paper, but that was fine for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think for, Ferrari aren't the team they once were. No, but also. Other teams are more of a team than they used to be Yep. in the same sort of process, which was probably a really bad way of putting it. But I think you're right. And look, just to steal a point, never thought I'd ever say this from a WTF1 podcast, but I was on it. Callan O'Keefe, who um, co-hosts with Harry Benjamin, was saying, you know, when do we stop saying, well, Ferrari should be winning a world championship and Mercedes should be winning a world championship? You know, they're not as you say, the team they used to be. So why does everyone just expect them to be as good as they, you know, historically have been only with drivers like Michael Schumacher? Well, because of the face of Formula One. They make, without Formula One and Ferrari, they, Ferrari and Formula One go hand in hand together and they have historically and that's why Ferrari have veto power and all the heads of F1 have always been previous, you know, <laughs> Ferrari team principals. So the reality is Ferrari and F1 go hand in hand, which I think is good, but I th- 
which the history of the sport suggests that. Moving forward, I'm not sure it looks like that because, I mean, Mercedes and Red Bull, when they've had 25, 30 years in the sport, their results are going to be a thousand times better than what Ferraris have been, which they are and have been for a long time. So, yeah, things will change and things are in place for a reason, but it will change eventually. So, All right. Let's talk about who is and isn't in the bin. This is going through all of the teams, team by team. Uh, we're going to start at the very back of the pack and we're going to yeah. work our way towards the front. Uh, let's start with Alpha Tauri, uh, a new driver lineup going into the, the mid-season break of, of course, Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricciardo. The team as a whole, where are you putting them? Not in the bin. Not in the bin? No. Even though they're plumb last in standings? Well, they've got a dog crap car, mm. but they've – Yuki's performed consistently throughout the whole start of the year and Danny Rick's back there, so how can you put that team in the That's bin? That's a very good point. <laughs> this is why this is the thing that matters, not scorecards or winners and losers. This totally. is it. Yeah, absolutely. And the first two races back in all three races, they've been in genuine chance of points. So, hey, that's great. It's, it, it's a team that obviously was – so far behind and off the pace for such a long time in this yep. season that it was just unacceptable, really. Yep. Especially considering what Pierre Gasly was able to do with the car pre this whole new yep. change of regulations. What I think is good or promising to see is Daniel coming into Hungary, being able to outperform Yuki, but with Yuki not having all of the upgrades because he buggered his front wing. Yep. Um, so and for them to be fighting in the mid pack, yep, I think that was really important. Coming out of the summer break, now going to tracks like the Netherlands, which will be interesting, and Monza, Singapore, Japan. Um, then we go to the Americas, and then finishing up in the Middle East. There is a good selection of different tracks in there for yep. I think not only Red Bull to see what Daniel is still capable of, uh, but for also to see what Daniel can help the team with to develop the car for the rest of the season, yep. because. Considering as far back as they are on championship points at the moment with three, three whole championship points, won all by Yuki Tsunoda at this point. Yep. Um, and uh, trailing Alfa Romeo Sauber with nine points in in ninth. There is a potential for a turnaround here because in looking at the where this this lands, really, Williams seventh, Haas eighth, Alfa Romeo ninth, Alfa Tari tenth, talking 11 points, 11 points, nine points, three points. This isn't looking at the front of Red Bull, 503 points, yeah. and Mercedes, 247. Yeah. So the back of the pack there I think is going to be a really interesting place to watch because a lot of upgrades will have to be brought, Yep. a lot of focus being put in, of course, to the remainder of the season, and then just to see how they can perform on tracks that are bloody brilliant to watch. Oh, I think both drivers will get points for the rest of the year fairly consistently. They'll be scraps and they'll need things to happen in the race, like we'll need a couple of the – the better cars on the grid to fall away, you know, and, and DNF in order to get those positions. Because if, you know, if the top four teams finish where they should every week and you're scrapping for one and two points and they're not a better car than teams like Alpine or Ferrari when they're the fifth best on the day. So the reality is they need some luck to get them, but I think they'll get points consistently through the rest of the year. So exciting for me. And they're, they're, they're going to be called Hugo Boss next year. Is that confirmed? Well, no, that's not confirmed. There's just there's a speculation at this point, but there are rumours around that being the case. Of course, Red Bull 
Um, the owner, the founder, not the founder, the owner, co-founder, who knows, um, Dietrich Massachusetts is no longer. So yeah. now it was his big push to have AlphaTauri as a thing. Be interesting to see now what happens. Of course, F1's uniforms are AlphaTauri, so maybe there'll be a bit of a change. I thought um, I thought Lauren Stroll owned Hugo Boss at one stage and turned it around. Anyway, interesting for me that another brand, a global brand, is going to go in and try and, do what Red Bull did. We're not yeah. an energy drink company. We're a racing team. Yeah. That makes, you know, is Hugo Boss the brand to do that? I'm not sure. But Hugo your, Boss has been in the sport for a long time. What's your personal fashion brand of choice, Campy? What is your beanie? What brand uh, is that? I've got. Rip Curl? No, this one's a Hurley one, I think. Hurley? I've actually got a couple of Hugo Boss suits, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear suit pants very often, but I've got the jackets. So exclusively go out in only jackets. Yeah, <laughs> no pants. Not you know, not Euro style one. That's a bit out there. They're just your standard <laughs> liberal blues, <laughs> few blacks. So <laughs> 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 Hurley and Hugo Boss. Yeah, exclusively brands that begin with H. Yeah, but Hugo Boss has been in the sport a long time too. Yes, going back to. The silver McLaren is the first time I remember one with Lewis Hamilton behind that wheel in, you know, circa 07, 08, 09, that era. So they've been around for a while. Good good reaching back into the memories of Hugo Boston. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Alfa Romeo, they're ninth in the championship, nine points. Yeah. In or out of the bin? I'm putting them in the bin because after the chat with Valtteri and the conversation that, you, that was had beforehand – they were genuinely expecting to be top six in Melbourne. That's where they thought they would be, which tells me that the car is nowhere near as good as they think they, it should be. So I'm going to put the team in the bin because I think they're over-expecting too much. In saying that, Valtteri's had a frustrating year because I want him to do better, mm. but he's had some good points finishes. And Guan Yu Zhou at times has outperformed Valtteri, you know, for whole weekends at a time. And I'm... I don't know what the points is, looks like for the two drivers, but um, I'm putting him in the bin because I think they expect too much of themselves. Valtteri's on five, Joe's on four. There you go. So pretty even. I think Val- Valtteri's always had he's, he's had the better year, but there's been times where Joe's performed pretty well. So I'm not putting either of the drivers in the bin, but I'll put the team in there. Well, we're only talking about the team, so oh, the team right. can, can remain in the bin. Good. Haas, F1, 11 points. <sighs> They're in eighth. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, fantastic qualifying. Yep. The car can't seem to perform very well during the race and look after its tyres, so it always ends up falling towards the back. Yep. Um, in terms of split for points, K-Mag has had two and uh, Nico's had nine. So, you know, for for really, and we say this often, don't we, that realistically you've got, you know, uh, well, Red Bull should be one and two, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and now McLaren kind of making up the rest of those places. Yep. That's a very – that's 10 places already. So one of those cars has to have a bad time in those teams. So realistically, you're looking probably best for a lot of these teams to be finishing anywhere between ninth to 12th. Yeah. They should be happy with considering the, the competition. Yeah. Well, so Bins, uh, tough. Mm. It's a tough one. This is because, why you get paid the big bucks to make these decisions, though. Yeah, I know, and it's more bin. So <laughs> you're the uh, chief resource management officer of Lakeside Drive. No, I'm not, because they've got a car that on Saturday performs well, which has gotten the points this year. 
and that's the only reason they got points. The race pace is disastrous and rubbish, but with Nico Hulkenberg behind that wheel on a Saturday, they're getting the performances out of them that they need. Interesting for me is that I think it's a B-grade Ferrari or probably a C-grade Ferrari, that car. When Ferrari performs well, Haas will be good. But when they don't and they're really off the pace, Haas way down. They've got some serious problems with that Ferrari engine into the integration of the chassis, which is causing all their tyre issues at the moment. And I think it's very interesting that we had tyre construction changes this year after Ferrari had been so bad. After (laughs) No, it's... Do you think about it? You didn't want us to put our tinfoil beanies on first. Hey, I'm going with it. Go RFK on. is going to be president maybe next year, and he's the biggest tinfoil beanie oh. of them all. So, <laughs> um, that was a joke, by the way. Okay, See if I'd vote Democrat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm from Texas. Um, Inside your mind. <laughs> think about it. Think about how bad Ferrari's been this year on their tyres, and it's been from day one. Yes. Why is it that mid-season that Pirelli decide, oh, we're going to change the construction of the tyres because we think we need to change them because it's safer? Give me a break. It's affected affected, uh, Aston Martin, who are on the podium. It's clearly affected Red Bull over the one-lap pace. They don't have the same pace that they have since they've changed it. And Ferrari thinks they've got the best deal out of it. So... Look, Ferrari's making some moves behind behind closed doors, I believe. Let's talk about Williams now. They're seventh with 11 points, so the same number of points as Haas. Uh, it won't surprise you to know that all of those points are Alex Albon's. Yeah. Jeez, he's had a cracking year, hasn't he? He's just getting better and better and better. But the team is getting better and better and better. Seventh. Yeah. Seventh for Williams. Sixth yep. is Alpine. Alpine. Oh, I've just done a U. Alpine yeah. on uh, on fifty seven points, which yeah. is seemingly out of reach for these teams. So yeah. Williams really the best of the rest. The lower, lower, the lower pack. You know the mid pack being really McLaren and Alpine kind of fight. Well, to be honest, no, the mid pack is Alpine by itself. Yeah, <laughs> and the front is the front five, and everyone else. Look at where that team's come since Claire Williams left. And I'm not saying Claire did a bad job. I've been no, you, very... saw, you had a really beautiful farewell to her. Yeah. It's look... the nicest thing you'd ever said recorded. Yeah, probably. No, I like Claire and I like the way that I like the way that team and she turned it around. They obviously made a colossal mistake at one stage when Frank stepped away and Claire came in and then they appointed um the ex Williams guy. I'm looking at his face, can't remember his name. Yos Capito? Nope. The ex-Mercedes engineer who was originally at Williams and went to Mercedes and they got him back. Paddy Lowe. Paddy Lowe. And that was a colossal mistake for the organisation and that ultimately put them to ground because they had issues everywhere and Paddy should have been on top of it and better. Claire got that got that team to a place where it was sellable. It had a lot of potential. All it needed was big investment. Big investment came and look where the team is now. And they are on the up. It's slow but they're not the team they were five or six years ago, which struggled to be on within three laps of the leaders at the end of the race. So excellent for me. And, hey, I'm just loving Albon doing well this year. Firmly out of the bin for Williams. Uh, Let's talk about Alpine, which I'm placing in the bin in preparation for you doing it. I've I've prepped the bin. I've coloured it in their colours. Uh, this they're on 57 points. They're in sixth at the moment. Uh, the next closest is McLaren on fifth on 103 points. Yep. 
pretty disastrous set of circumstances they find themselves in without a team principal, without really a lot of their C-suite yep. now after uh, after Belgium. Three years ago, look at where this team was. Bring back they, Cyril. After the mid-season break, they went on a purple patch where they got results consistently the second half of the last year. They just about beat McLaren in the Constructors' Championships. Danny Rick, I think, got three podiums in the second half of the second year he was there. But he was performing and he was on it all the time. Look where they were. That, that is three years of bad management since Cyril's gone now. I mean, they've gone through Cyril, Otmar, all the technical staff, uh, lost Piastri, Alonso, Danny Rick, which I understand why. Now they've got two French drivers, gave Ocon a long-term contract. I understand Gasly's a very attractive driver. But him and Ocon aren't, I don't think one is better than the other. They are pretty well-placed, you know, equal drivers. So that team is a shambles. Did you read Cyril's pretty scathing attack of the team from WRC, from his fortress in Hyundai WRC, saying that the problem with the team is that there is no clear lead driver anymore. You've got two drivers who are at the same part of their career who have got similarly matched skills, but there's no lead driver for the team to build around. And so without leadership, they're just a mess. Yeah, and we've heard things about the team behind closed doors as well. I think it's public as well that, you know, they they didn't have a winning mentality. They weren't there yet. And I can understand that being a team that's, you know, hasn't had success in Formula One since Flavio in 05, 06 with uh, Fernando Alonso. So they're trying to re-bring that. But, oh, the driver, lead driver, I don't think it really matters. I just think there's clearly a massive, a, a massive uh, gap between the people running the organisation and then people at, you know, at Renault, the head as well. Why not? When management gets those things wrong, I think it's a big I think it creates a hell of a lot of dramas. We're going to take an ad break. We'll be back in just a moment. A massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Lakeside Drive. And Campy, of course, we know NordVPN is great. We actually already use it, and that's the reason that we uh, partner with them for episodes like this. I can assure you I'm not tech-savvy at all, but... That's not surprising to anyone who listens. If I can use a NordVPN, you can use it too. (laughs) It's the greatest and most simple product ever. And the protection. In terms of how to protect yourself online, as you say, it's really, really easy to use. Freya uses it when she's overseas. I use it when I'm overseas, but we all use it when we're sitting at home. We want to watch content that is region locked. You're a big fan, as we know, of any kind of housewife program, including of Kentucky or... Connoisseur, mate, connoisseur. Gold Coast, uh, the Real Housewives, of course. Is there anything else you enjoy watching whilst you're doing that? Yeah, look, in that genre, I'm just not up with them. Mm. The Channel 4 coverage would be really good. If we could get the Channel 4 yes. Formula 1 coverage here in Australia, uh, because I can tell you that is the best F1 coverage I've seen. When I watched it for the British Grand Prix, live features were fantastic. Now, NordVPN are celebrating a holiday special, holidays for the US. Not probably quite yet here in Australia, but we're pretty close. I know yeah. some parents who are either very excited or not excited for, <laughs> for that. <laughs> 
Totally up to you. Uh, but if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive, you can get an exceptionally special deal for Lakeside Drive listeners. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not fully happy with it, you can get your money back, which is always a good thing, Campy. It is. All right. Let's keep going with uh, who's in the bin, who's out of the bin. You won't get your money back for this podcast if you've listened this far. <laughs> you have to have money to begin with. Uh, let's talk about McLaren. Are they in or out of the bin, Campy? They're in fifth at the moment, hilariously enough really for me, yeah. and 103 points with the majority of those points being scored at the tail half of uh, the first part of the season. The real question is, is, is um, I've gone blank, Jim. What am uh, I going blank about? I don't know. We're uh. talking about McLaren. Shall I start rattling off some names? Andrea Stella, Zach Brown, Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri. Let's just start that again. No, this is great content. Is fuck's sake. <laughs> Come on, brain. Zach Brown. Uh-huh. Is Zach Brown in the bin or not? For That's you? the real question. I'm not sure he ever left, did he, for you? No, nah, he's still in there for me. But McLaren as a team are not in the bin because they've clearly figured out what was wrong with their car and gone and done what they needed to do. And we knew about this for once in our life. I thought the PR team was out in force on McLaren, doing a real good job. They predicted it from the start of the year. And then when those changes came, immediate impact and got the results they should have been getting. So team's out of the bin. Just not sure I can let Zach Brown off the hook for the Daniel Ricciardo treatment. I, I don't think he'll ever get out. I no. think he's a bit like Gasly. Do you know? Does- I do like him, but he's just not. Nah. Do you know what's very interesting? Just talk about IndyCar for a moment because it's an episode I've just <laughs> yeah. reviewed. Um, Alex Palau, remember that whole thing last year? Well, he's that's that's Fernando Alonso esque timing, isn't it? Well, he's not signing with McLaren. He's told Zach that he's not signing with them, and I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he's going to stay with Chip Ganassi Racing, but all of that. Do you remember all the thing? Oh, Alex Palau is going to come and take Danny Ricardo's seat. Blah, all that kind of stuff. And come on, McLaren. Um, having a real bad time in IndyCar with contracts again. What What's Paul Howe supposed to do? He's got, like, I would move on because the McLaren in Indy's not a great car, but if he was signing with McLaren so that he could get a chance to get in an F1 car or potentially a race seat, look at what they got. they got Lando Norris and Piastri who's, mate, there's no chance he's getting in that car anytime soon, so... He's looking at it going, right, I'm in India. I'm going to concentrate on India. It's a great race. It's a great racing formula in the sense that anyone can get results at any time. Unlike Formula One, you've got to be in one of three teams. He's going, right, I'm doubling down. Let's get in a fast Indy car and have a crack at a championship. There are rumours about him <clears> talking <throat> with Formula One teams, but there's only two teams that he can be talking to, and they're really Alpha Tauri and Williams, none of whom have any relation to McLaren. So either way... There's no, there's nothing really lost for him, I don't think. And Chip Ganassi Racing do have a very, very fast car in Indy. So this is the thing with Formula One. Like, you, I, like think about someone like James Courtney, V8 Supercars. Mm. When he was in Europe doing the junior Formula categories, he was dominating people like Fernando Alonso's in that era in the juniors. Made them look second rate, hecky cover lines. All guys that went on to get top drives. Now for James Courtney, he said in the podcast. You know what? I'm glad I never went to F1 in hindsight because I would have been on the back of the grid and I would have been driving around for 18th and 19th position. I would have been in a car that couldn't do what I wanted to do, knowing that I was better than those guys in junior formulas when we had roughly the same machinery. 
to go to a sport like V8 Supercars and have a career where it is very rewarding, but he got to race in the category that he wanted to race in. Hey, that's that's what you want as a driver. Mm. At some level, you in F1, you give up that knowing mm. that there may be a carrot dangling that one day you'll get into that top drive. At least people watch Formula One and like V8 Supercars. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, these Gen 3 cars haven't been very good, have they? That is the understatement of the year from you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep talking about teams. Yeah. Uh, so the team of McLaren is out of the bin, and I agree. I think completely um, Oscar Piastri really having a great time. I enjoyed, I enjoy rather seeing his personality being able to come out now. I think people have stopped comparing him to Daniel Ricciardo which was an incorrect comparison yeah, to do. Yeah, totally. So I, it's, it's good news. And the team, you know, the team – have the heritage to to push it down that path. Yep. So it's, I think it's good around. Let's talk about Ferrari. They're in fourth. They're on 191 points. They're five points behind Aston Martin, who are yep. in third. So they'll get third by the end of the year. Yep. In or out of the bin? Uh, out. Out of the bin? Well, if you're going to be third at the end of the year, they can't really be in the bin, Absolutely can they? they can. This isn't this isn't based on any kind of formula of points and cents, Kevin. Yeah, oh, this no, is your opinion. No. Oh, it's like the thing we did at the start of the year, mm. the rating system that we had. Mm. It, the parameters. Do you remember changed. that? Yeah, the parameters. I couldn't tell you what we no. predicted. <laughs> if I tried to do the same, it'd be completely different. But yeah, Ferrari. Look, but they could be in the bin. To, all right, let's put them in the bin. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because we're still having strategy conversations about Ferrari mm. in at least eight of the 11 races that we've had thus far this season. So they're in the bin. Okay. Um, Aston Martin, third at the moment. Again, only five points ahead. Uh, a fantastic driver in Fernando Alonso. The other driver is is Lance Stroll. Yep. And the upgrades that I've brought along haven't impacted the car in the way I think they probably would have wanted. Yeah, well, as I said before, they've been massively affected by the entire construction um, and the effects it has on the car. So, look, great, great set first seven or eight races while on the podium every race except for one or two and fighting for not wins, but they were well, definitely the second best car. I cannot. Monaco was should have been a win. They should have made a better strategy call and put Fernand, pitted Fernando a lap early. Would have been ahead of Max. Would have been the only race this year Red Bull wouldn't have won. I reckon. There you go. I don't think you. I don't think they ever had. They 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 never had enough time up their sleeves to get in front of Max. Max would have mm. if they pitted one. It didn't matter. But I think I managed to. I worked out the sums, although my maths is not great. But I think I figured out that depending, well, depending on Max's in lap and Fernando's out lap, but in clear, clear air and Fernando on the right tire, I think he would have been fine. But I'm anyway, it doesn't to, matter. I'm trying to remember what they put Fernando on the slick, but he needed to come back in and go onto the wet, or was it right the other way around? Yep. Yes. No, they were still never would have got in front of Max. Well, my anyway. Red Bull made the right call. He, and they went opposite of. But don't forget that Max stayed out an extra lap compared to everybody else. Fernando came in, put slicks on, not inters on, and yeah. should have, if he put inters on, by the time Max would have come in and around again, he would have been behind. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They did the right thing when they went opposite to Red Bull, so it's good. So okay, they had to try something because they were behind. They were never going to pass on track. Yes, and it didn't work out for them. I still don't think they would have ever had track position on Max. Okay, so Aston Martin are in or out of the bin. They're out of the bin. Okay. But they've got strollers drivers, so that puts them in the bin too. So, <laughs> uh, Mercedes. Now, Mercedes have had 
a really interesting time this year. Lewis has still not signed a contract. They brought upgrades, or they had upgrades set for Imola. Of course, Imola didn't happen. Then Monaco, then finally Barcelona. They double podiumed in Barcelona. Mercedes were back, apparently. That's the last time we've really seen them strong, has to be said, for for the rest of the, the that part of the first season, first half of the season. They've just not been anywhere near as strong as they should have been. It's taken them so long to accept that the no side pod thing was yep. a mistake and then to be able to work through putting yep. the car together in a way that it should have been. Yeah, they put side pods on and the car's automatically working somewhat res- <laughs> somewhat of a resemblance of what the car used to be like. So, yeah, they're out of the bin. They, they're getting better. Mm. And I think it might be a... I think Red Bull are too far up the road for anyone to catch them in, in at least next year as well. So well, they're over half the points ahead of Mercedes yeah, well, are under half the points of Red Bull. Yeah. So Mercedes, they're not in the bin, but they've had an interesting year. But Lewis is starting to get a bit excited again about mm. you know the sport. George. Mm, let's talk about George Russell. Where do you where do you rate him at the moment? What what are we rating him on? His personality? <laughs> Whatever you would like to write him on, Campy. <laughs> let's keep it clean and on track. And yeah, it's not leave like his, let's leave his per- let's leave his personality out of it because he's got the personality of a doorknob. Mm-hmm. He's boring as allegedly. Oh mate, please! Just, I'll tell him that to us. Fucking hell! I'm not on the grid. I'm never going to be on the grid. So oh, I can, don't say never. I can pot shot from here if I want. Don't say never. And. Yes. I will laugh I would from never a distance say, I would, when that no, – I would never power. say that to his you'd face power. either. I'd, I'd, Firstly, that PRs wouldn't let you anywhere near him. <laughs> Secondly, if you ever did have an opportunity to torture on his ride, you'd go, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you sign this? <laughs> it's been said that you have the personality of a doorknob. What do you, what do you say to people that say those things? <laughs> Whilst I go red in the face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hiding behind yourself. Um, now, look, George, for me – he deserved that spot in Mercedes, and he, he look. He's a good driver. He's a great driver. Um, his battle with Hamilton last year didn't mean much for me, although he got the he got more points. I just don't think Lewis was invested in the year that he, as he was. This year's been different. I don't think Lewis has has is invested in this championship as he as you know as he previously has been. But he's getting better, and I think Lewis has been better than him this year. So we really – I don't know how to judge them until Mercedes has got a world championship winning car and they're both going head-to-head. I mean, a hell of a driver to mm. even compete with Lewis mm. over a season. So, yeah, he's, he's not as good as Lewis for me. Mm. Well, I mean, it's interesting – to talk about because the teammate is the biggest comparison, yeah. the equal comparison. Um, Valtteri Bottas on his day was faster than Lewis. The problem is consistency. Lewis has all the best luck in the world. We spoke about that very early on in this yeah. podcast. Yep. Um, Valtteri did not, and that's fair enough. That just is what it is. So I think it's going to be an interesting, as you say, not, look, they're not going to be fighting for a championship, I don't think, anytime soon. Red Bull just have this absolute dominance with this set of regulations. Going to 2026 will also be interesting, but we're starting to hear now George push the team to get a preferred strategy to, you know, are we racing each other? Can I get past? All that yep. kind of like I'm faster. Yep. All those kinds of conversations, which 
I'm actually here for, to be yeah. honest. I think that's great. There shouldn't, you know, he's he's done his rookie year in Mercedes yep. last year. Yep. Now he's here to to challenge it, and and I think yeah. that's also good for Lewis. In the same way, let's talk about Red Bull now. In the same way that Max needs a driver to push him, Lewis does as well. Before we go there, I put I put George in a Mark Webber category. Mm. Is he good enough to win a world championship? Absolutely is. Is he going to win one? I don't think so. Mm. If he does win it, everything has to go his way, and he you know it's right time, right place. Yeah, you know, on his day is as good as the best drivers that have ever done it. Is he going to win multiple world championships? I don't think so. Mm. Does he win? Can he win one? He's got the talent to win one. But whether he does or not, that's that's where I put it. Yeah, for George, Red Bull, in or out of the bin? <sighs> out of the bin. Oh yeah. <laughs> How can you, mate? Do they go undefeated this year? I think it's we can start having that conversation now. Do they go undefeated? Absolutely. There is just no one. Anywhere close to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've heard rumours about them trying to change qualifying. So no DRS in qualifying now, which is totally a rule to knock Red Bull back. But it'll also affect every other team on the grid <laughs> as well. So, you know, if you want to be that blatant about trying to peg back Red Bull, just make sure Red Bull can't use DRS in qualifying and everyone else <laughs> can. Still be, so, Max will still be faster. Um, it's like, but it's like, remember, Louis, like, the Mercedes car of the of the Hamilton dominance era was fantastic out front. It was designed to be out front. Yeah. It, when it was behind somebody else, it really struggled. Yeah. yeah. And we saw that with Lewis. We saw that with Valtteri. Same way, I think, for, for me, looking at where Max is, he obviously loves a bit of a challenge and we saw him in Belgium have to get past some cars, but the way he got past yeah. Sergio was just, Sergio didn't even exist. Yeah, but you look at the difference between Max and Sergio, it's when Sergio's been in those positions for the last seven or eight races. Yes. yes. He has struggled to get past yep. people, unlike Max. Yeah. Yeah, they can they can definitely go undefeated for me. Oh, easy. I, I don't think it'll happen oh. because, look, Formula One's Formula One. There's always a race where there's craziness. Think like Germany 2019. That was mm. the most hectic mm. race we've seen in a long time. Best race. Yeah, a lot of fun. So we're always going to get a race like that, which throws up some results. But if we get your stock standard F1 possessions that happens 80% of the time, Red Bull go undefeated. It doesn't matter what they do to them in qualifying. They just – Max behind that – in that car is too good. And that is the most dominant car we've ever seen in Formula 1. Well, that is who is and who isn't in the bin. Some surprises there for me. Uh, let me know if there were some surprises there for you. You can do that by joining our Discord server and joining the conversation. Uh, we will be back next week with a preview of the Dutch Grand Prix as we just think about what can actually happen. It'll be interesting to see if anything craziness uh, comes out in the next week, Campy, too. Well, if that's the race Red Bull can lose, it'll be Max's home Grand Prix, probably the most important one to him all year. Just to, just to add that in. If you want to support the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Now, the first is it doesn't cost you anything. You can leave us a rating or a review and it helps enormously. I cannot tell you if you have time to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts with a written review uh, or on, on Spotify if you tap five stars as well in the podcast home page. That is 
just it means a lot to us we read all the reviews and we really really love uh, being able to reach so many people all across the world that is really fantastic the second way you can do that if you do want to financially support the show you can either join uh, our patreon as a patron of the show you get exclusive access to our discord server where the, well, the three of us freya camp where campy actually talks if he ever logs in to discord um you get a direct line to us uh, we'll be able to do, uh, rather, we'll be doing very shortly as well, so a hell of a lot more content. So I can promise you we're going to be ramping up things again, including video again. We'll hopefully be able to do some Discord, um, sorry, some Patreon special episodes as well. So make sure you do that. You can also buy some merchandise too, which is great. Some The hats will make a comeback at some point once I can figure out exactly what the supply issue is. <laughs> that was a whole debacle. Um, yeah. But that's it. So massive thank you for continuing to listen to the show, to support the show, to watch the show uh, wherever you are in the world. I hope you have a fantastic week. We will see you next week for a preview of the Dutch Grand Prix. Thanks, my man. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay. I will thank Very me. Very kind of you. Sports Social Podcast Network.